To commemorate Veterans Day, we invited World War II veteran Elwood Wary into the newsroom to listen to his stories about his time in the Army. He chose to share memories that distinctly stood out to him. Disclaimer, there is some sensitive, graphic content in this audio that isn't suitable for some young listeners. There will be an additional reminder before that portion of the segment. Wary started at the top by telling us how his time in the military began. Okay, I was in the U.S. Army. Uh, I didn't decide, the U.S. government decided for me. I was born in 1927, so you see I was 18 years old in 1945. Wary was drafted shortly after his 18th birthday, like many other young men in the United States. Wary told us a story about the Waffen SS, although he didn't experience this one personally. The following story is not for all listeners, especially younger ones. Skip ahead to 316 if you're not comfortable with graphic depictions of torture. During the story, you'll hear my voice on the track, because I'm one of those people. But we have to listen. These stories must be remembered in an effort to prevent history from repeating itself. Wary was assigned to share an office with a female Russian diplomat. During their time together, she recounted this story about the Waffen SS and the lengths that they would go to to collect intelligence. Probably this happened about maybe June or so of 19, 1946. Why uh, she was a Czechoslovakian woman and dressed in a in a uh, in a Russian uniform, and she was assigned to the the Russian. The Russian diplomatic corps, was, as it turns out they're mostly all spies. Mm-hmm. Later on we found out, of course. And so, but anyway, so I got, so she was in my office for about six weeks and I got very well acquainted with her. She said, by the way, she said, I want to tell you why I despise the Germans so much. And I said, okay. She said, well, you know, she said, I'm Czechoslovakian, as you know. Uh, a group of uh, Waffen SS showed up at my door and demanded to know where my husband was. And she said, as soon as the invasion started, he took off. And she said, he purposely told me, did not tell me where he was. So they, she said, they came in and they beat me up pretty badly. And he said, she said, I don't know, I don't know, and I don't know where he is. And they took her down into the basement, tied her to a pole in the basement, and took her five-year-old son with them. And there was a chopping block down there. And they took, their, took her five-year-old boy and took his hand and put it on the chopping block. No, 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 no. And said, where is your where is your husband? She says, I don't know. I don't know where he is. And they said they started chopping off his arm. And she said, by the time they got up to his elbow, asked me half a dozen questions or so, I'd passed out. I couldn't stand it. And, uh, and that's just an example how vicious that those people were, the stuff that they would do to get to, to you know, and when you think about that, that is so hideous, it's hard to, hard to even, even comprehend. And I don't think she was lying to me. I, don't, I think she told me a true story. I don't think Wary told another story about the lifestyle some members of the SS enjoyed. Marble-clad, luxury barracks reserved for the members of the SS until it was taken over by the Allies. The Third Army headquarters, the... We were building it in the the, the former uh, the former barracks, if you want to call them that, for the, the, the Waffen SS, who was Hitler's private army. 
any rate, they were, it was just like a huge hotel. There was three stories. The only difference between that and a, and a nice hotel was the fact that they, they didn't have individual uh, uh, toilet facilities or individual showers or anything in the rooms. Everything else, though, it was, it was just like a big, it wasn't like a barracks. It was nice big hotel, and the showers and everything were made out of marble. It was just, it was just you can't believe how, how nice it was. Where he told a story about his roommate in the luxury barracks, a man named Paul Livey. He happened to be collecting mail for a fellow serviceman, Master Sergeant John Woods. Woods told those in the barracks that he was the man who executed those sentenced to death at the Nuremberg trials. This is what Wary had to say about that exchange. One of the guys that was assigned to the provost marshal section was the guy named Sergeant Master Sergeant John Woods. And Master Sergeant John Woods was the official hangman for the uh, U.S. Army. But back in the old days when hanging was, uh, unless it was just done by a lynching or something, if it was done legally by a state, why the hangman would go, uh, depending on where the hanging took place, would build a scaffold, hang the person, and then they would tear down the scaffold and burn it. They didn't leave it there. It wasn't, it wasn't a permanent thing. Build the scaffolding, hang the guy, and then, and then tear it down. He'd be on the field quite a bit, so Sergeant Livey would keep his mail. So then that's why I got to know Sergeant Woods, because he'd show up at our barracks and, to get his mail, because my buddy was keeping it for him, yeah. So one time he he arrived. It was about the first part of uh, first part of October, and he showed up and uh, and to get his mail. And uh, he said, uh, uh, "Well, he says I'm going to be gone for quite a while now because I'm getting ready to I'm bu- building the we're going to build the scaffolding and whatnot for the hanged and the Nuremberg war criminals." At that time, maybe he knew how many. Uh, I think he probably knew how many he was going to hang, but he decided to build a scaffolding with. Uh, with uh, to hang two at a time instead of one at a time. Uh, and, well, I know there was eleven that were declared guilty and, and were going to be executed. And so, anyway, Livy, Sergeant Livy says to the good sergeant, uh, the hangman, he said, uh, "Well, sergeant, he said, uh, how about bringing me a souvenir from the hangings?" And and uh, and Sergeant Woods looked. Oh, he says, Livy he says, "I can't do that." He says, "I've already been offered." Now, this is what he said. I heard him say this. He says, I've been offered $50,000 for, for, for one of the ropes by one of the Russians. He says, I can't do that. I'm going to burn everything. And uh, so he left. Well, anyway, he shows up first part of November. Mm-hmm. And to get his mail, of course, and whatnot, and we chatted for a while. And he got up and got ready to leave, and he reached into his pocket. And he handed Livy a GI belt. And he says... Uh, Paul, he said, uh, I want you to have this. He said, this was the belt that was used to tie the legs up of Fricky, Frick, Stryker, Yodel, Streich, Inker, and Rosenberg. One, two, three, four, five. And he handed him, he handed him that belt. So, uh, so he left, of course, and so Livy said, "Well, we got to split this up." So he took the part that had the buckle on it, mm-hmm. and he gave he gave everybody else, with the rest of the other three of us, 
the other three of us. Uh, a piece. These, the I came home from the, from overseas and whatnot. Uh, a few months later, after that, why it was discovered that Sergeant Woods, even though he was an official hangman and he did a good job of the hanging. In fact, he bragged the fact about the fact that only one of the eleven that he hung, or the ten that he actually hung. Uh, only one of them was able to get off Heil Hitler before he could pull the ripcord, mm -hmm. and only one of them, only one of them strangled instead of having his neck broken when he fell. Because maybe they, maybe they, uh, they did the, the the people that were helping him put the necks, put the, the the hanging thing around their necks might not have been just exactly perfect. But uh, we found out actually that he had never been the hangman of the state of Texas. He claimed he'd been the hangman of the state of Texas and hung about 230 guys, but he actually hadn't done that. And so he lied about that. He also lied about a little bit about his Navy service. And uh, so this, this, this possibility that this could be a phony, but it's still kind of an interesting story. Definitely. Where he brought his segment of the belt. He brought in a photo of him and Sergeant Livey his draft card, and a poster printed in blue ink of those tried at the Nuremberg trials. Even though we didn't have time in this segment to include all of the stories where he told us, he can be found in the Sandpoint community frequently speaking at various public events. Thank you, Elwood, for your service. More of Wary's stories you can read in Emily Bosong's September 28th article, where he shares stories not covered in this episode of 7B. On behalf of those of us at the Bonner County Daily Bee, a deep and sincere thank you to those who have served our country to defend the rights we enjoy. We will always remember. We will always listen. Thank you for tuning in. Talk to you next time. I'm Anissa Keith. <laughs>